Hey, business building warrior. This is Jim coming at you with another episode of Silent Sales Machine Radio. If you're new around here, this is the podcast that features interview after interview after interview with people who knew nothing about e-commerce just a short time ago. But now they have incredibly successful, profitable, thriving businesses that are at various stages of growth. In some cases, they're only two, three, four months old. In some cases, they've been doing this a couple of years and they've built anything from a five-figure per month business up to six figures a month or more in many cases. And we love interviewing them. And something they all have in common is they've used the strategies from the Proven Amazon course to build their business. Of course, the Proven Amazon course is the course that features dozens of different ways to build a great business on Amazon. We've got a thriving community of about 73,000 of us hanging out in the Facebook group, and you'll see 1,700 success posts in that group if you go visit it. There's links to all of this stuff at silentgym.com, the course, the free Facebook group, and of course, this podcast. But today, you may have noticed I don't have a guest. It's just me. But I read a great book over the weekend. I'm almost all the way through it at this point, enough to where I can share some great insights for you. And I want to share those with you from the perspective of this show accomplishes, one of the most valuable things I think it accomplishes is it destroys excuses. So I read a book over the weekend that really destroys a lot of excuses that you might not have. Let's say your business isn't quite where you'd like it to be or where you think it should be. And you've got your list of reasons for why that is. Well, what I like to do as a leader in our community and on our team is identify the difference between challenges that really there's little you can do about, circumstances that you just kind of have to to get through and there's not much you can do to overcome them, and excuses, which it's just a matter of tackling them with diligence and you can check those boxes and get rid of those factors that might be slowing you down. So what's the difference between an excuse and an out-of-your-control circumstance that there's not a lot you can do about? I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's not many things in this life that stop us from getting where we're trying to go that can't be pretty neatly placed into the excuse column as evidenced by other people who have faced those exact same challenges and even greater challenges and gone on to do great things. So you're left with the tough decision as to whether to call it an excuse or to chalk it up as an uncontrollable circumstance that you just simply can't do anything about. And you got to blame someone else, blame the circumstance, blame anything and everything except the person in the mirror that could and should be doing something about it. Well, anytime I come across a resource that helps me illustrate that point, I embrace it. I devour it. And I had such a great time reading this book. I don't know how I missed it. I don't know how it's been off my radar, but I heard about it for the first time a few days ago, devoured it over the weekend, and I want to break it down for you. The book is called The Immigrant Edge, and the author is Brian Buffini. And the premise of the book is that we need to explain the following phenomenon with some kind of rational process. And here's the following, here's the phenomenon we need to explain. Why is it that so many immigrants come to the United States and set about building beautifully successful businesses at a faster pace, at a higher rate than do natural born citizens in the United States? What's going on there? 
what is it that the people who know so little of the language and have come from such a desperate situation and have so few connections have the discomfort of completely changing their environments most cases they've left family behind their comfortable environment the communities they're familiar with they leave all that behind and they go on to build incredible businesses at a far higher pace than do those who are born here and have all the advantages why is that it reminded me a lot as i was reading through this book of the stories you hear after world war ii the jews who had survived nazi imprisonment the camps where they'd seen literally their entire families and friend groups killed gone missing never to be seen again and so you have these young teens emerging with no family no connections few if any friends moving to a completely new land in many cases to to escape europe and to come to the united states launching a business you'd think they've got no advantages no connections they haven't been educated in the local culture the best they can hope for is some kind of decent job, right? No, I mean, that's the story behind some of the greatest corporations and businesses and thriving enterprises that the world has ever seen coming from those desperate situations. So I love the way the book broke down and he uses statistics and facts and data enough to be convincing that you're like, okay, this guy is really dialed in. And that's his story, actually. He found himself as an immigrant coming to the United States, getting into a, a horrific motorcycle accident that put him a quarter of a million dollars in debt right out of the gate you're thinking wow the best this guy can hope for is some generous strangers to help him you know find some stability no he went on to build he is a you know worth hundreds of millions of dollars at this point he's built an incredible business that's not to say that the only way to measure life success is how much money you put in the bank but it is to say, this is a business podcast. I'm here to help you grow your business. I'm here to help you use the internet creatively to launch and grow multiple income streams. Success in business is measured by profits. That's the only way you measure success in a business because if you're not profitable, that business won't be around any longer. It's the oxygen of your business is those profits. So to run a profitable business is an achievement. You've heard me say many times before as an aside, that it's impossible to run a profitable business without dramatically and positively impacting the lives of countless people, most of whom you will never meet. So literally every successful business owner out there, you included, me included, you're impacting positively countless lives. Many of those people you will never meet. So pursuing a profitable business is virtuous. It is worth doing. And we do need to stop and examine why it is that the people who come with so far fewer advantages, a much longer excuse list, if you will, tend to do so much better than those of us who are kind of born just into the comfort levels that come with living in the most financially prosperous nation in the history of the world. Now, I'll set it up this way before I get into the list as well. I've been saying for years, and I'll say it today as boldly as I've ever said it, actually more boldly today than I've ever said it, you live and I live in the greatest time in human history to launch and grow a business, to find multiple income streams, especially if you've got access to the internet, especially if you're in the United States where we're living better than kings did a couple hundred years ago. The poorest among us in the US and in most Western cultures live far better than even the middle class 
or even the upper class in some cases, in many places in the world. We have so many advantages, so many resources at our disposal, but somehow we still find a way to come up with a creative list of excuses as to why it won't work for me. I can't do this. One last little note before I jump into the content from the book and share some lessons. I've seen this play out in our community. The people who live outside of the United States, the people who don't have the advantages in our community. You know, we've got a global community, 73,000 people, like I mentioned in our Facebook group. About 10% of those live outside the U.S. somewhere, and they've built thriving businesses in many cases in the United States. They don't have the advantage of being able to go to a store and find their inventory. They can't have the stuff shipped to them for the inspection. They've had to get creative about how they operate. And we've set up many different features inside our community that allow people from anywhere in the world to buy online in the United States, have those products shipped to a partner, a prep partner. We call them prep centers, prepcenternetwork.com. You can go to see a list. So their product isn't sent to them outside the U.S. It's, the product stays right in the U.S., It goes to a prep partner who puts the labels on there for the Amazon selling customer who lives overseas. And then the product is sent to Amazon as it sells, never having been seen or touched by the seller. The seller is paid no matter where you live in the world. But what amazes me is some of the most aggressive and successful and optimistic and energetic stories from our community. You can hear them on this podcast. You can scroll back and hear these folks from all over the world, in many cases still living outside the U.S. They're building beautiful businesses, overcoming the cultural, the language barriers, the physical proximity barrier. They don't even live here. And they seem to succeed at a far higher rate than do the people who live right here in the middle of the opportunity. And they can't see the forest for the trees. One of the things that the author of the book says, uh, Brian Buffini, the author, says in the book, again, the book is Immigrant Advantage. He says this in the opening, and he mentions it a couple of the times throughout the book. The last thing a fish notices is water. And that's so true. I feel like so many of us are so blessed, and we have so many advantages and so much opportunity that we don't even notice it. We just are oblivious to it. Well, What are those character traits of someone who isn't oblivious to the opportunities around them? What is it that gives the immigrants an edge? And I'll stick a link to that book, by the way, in the show notes today. He spells immigrant with an E, and you may think that's a misspelling. No, there's a difference between an immigrant with an I and an immigrant with an E. And he explains that in the opening of the book, and I thought it was great. I learned a good deal from this book, uh, including the difference between an immigrant with an I and an immigrant with an E. So let's go through the book. There's seven things that distinguish someone who is entering an unfamiliar culture and they're an immigrant and they've got to overcome these things. And then what he did is he went and studied these people who went on to succeed. And he said, what seven things, what things do these people have in common? It's easy to fail. We don't want to study people who fail necessarily. Let's study the people who've succeeded. And they succeed, remember, at a far higher rate as an immigrant. What are those seven things that they have in common, the people who go on to succeed? And he detected a pattern. He saw it in himself and he saw it in many other people. And I can say this, having coached thousands of people over the years into success in e-commerce and Amazon, 
that these all ring true. I see these consistently as well. So it's not so much about which strategy you're using or is it, uh, you know, is the timing right or did I miss the opportunity or is it saturated or no, the people who win aren't focused on the factors so much about the business model. Let's assume that it's a viable business model, which we have overwhelming evidence that selling on Amazon is a viable business model. There's tens of thousands of people to make a full-time living doing it all day, every day. Millions of lives have been changed by Amazon. It's a growing, expanding opportunity. I can go into the numbers, but I won't right now. If you really study the data, this will be bigger five years from now than it is now if all trends hold steady the way they are. So it is a huge opportunity. So assuming that it's a viable opportunity, not just some kind of you know dream that you had that has no market, you know, we're not rolling the dice here and taking a big risk by establishing a business on Amazon. Let's just put it that way. So assuming it's viable, what are your reasons for not jumping into it? It's all stuff that can be discovered by looking in the mirror. So let's look in the mirror for a moment and talk about those seven qualities of people who go on to succeed wildly while in the middle of other people who are not taking advantage of the opportunities that are so abundant and obvious. What are they? A voracious openness to learning new things. Always be learning. You've heard us say that all the time. There's only a few things that you need to have in order to succeed building multiple income streams using the internet creatively. I've been teaching this for 20 years. I have a book that sold a million copies. I've heard from thousands of students. One of the things that we've been saying from day one is building a business is a leadership journey. You've got to be willing to learn new things, improve your ability to lead, improve your relationships. So what are those two factors? One of them is pointed out by the author, a voracious openness to learn. Always be learning, always be improving your relationships. I've been saying that for years. So there it is right at the top. There'll always be something new to learn. I say all the time that I've been doing this for 20 years. I've just barely began to shave the tip of the iceberg on what all there is to learn in order to build sustainable business models using the internet. There's so much more to learn. I learn literally every day. In fact, those who've heard me tell the story of why we started the Facebook group and why we started this community was because I simply wanted to be in a group of people who were doing the same business so we could learn from each other and share ideas. That's the only reason that I've continued to pour so much effort and energy even into projects that lost money, but they built relationships. A good example is our live events. The first multiple times, we're going to do our 11th event, theprovenconference.com. The first several times, five or six times we did it, I lost money. didn't make any money on the thing, but it was a raging success. Why? Because the relationships, the connections, the projects that launched, the people that came into our community that recognized the momentum, they jumped in, they contributed value, they brought their success story. So that's the momentum effect. Always be learning. That's what feeds into it. If you're saying, no, I want to learn all there is to know and then stop learning. I'm done with learning. And that's something that's broke with our education system, by the way, is it really reinforces that. When you're done with high school, celebrate. I'm done learning. Finally. No, that's a tragic way to approach life. We saw schooling our children, not as filling a bucket with information. And once the bucket is full, our child is educated. No, it's lighting a fire having a love of learning, always be learning new things, always be asking questions. So you've got to reignite that if you hope to succeed, always be learning. Number two, a do whatever it takes mindset. 
Now, I love this one, but I do think it's overhyped sometimes. Because before you decide that you're going to do whatever it takes, you got to make sure you got a viable business model, <laughs> right? You know, for every person that, uh, I love the, the example of Roger Bannister ran that first four minute mile, right? And then after the four minute mile was finally conquered, a lot of other people did it. But I got to tell you, there's probably a lot of people that set out to be the first person to run that four minute mile and never got there, right? There, there is such a thing as setting a goal and then not getting it. Does that crush you? Does that devastate you? Well, before you decide you're going to do whatever it takes, I would argue, make sure that it's a reasonable, viable goal. But maybe a better example would be, you know, you're a five foot four, 45 year old male who wants to play in the NBA. Do you have a do whatever it takes mindset? Is that going to help you? Probably not. <laughs> in your mid forties, you're five foot four. The shortest guy to ever play in the NBA was significantly taller than you. Do whatever it takes mindset is not going to get you there. But if you've got a viable model that's working for a whole bunch of people around you and they're excited about it, you've got to learn to block out the people who have the negative things to say and go for it. Get in, do whatever it takes. The author talks about interviewing and talking to multiple successful business owners who came into the United States with all those disadvantages, built beautiful businesses. And one of the things they all had in common was they didn't have a plan B. They found a business model that they knew was viable and they went for it. They did what it took and they made their mistakes and they learned as they went. They didn't set about learning for six years and then take a stab. They went all in. So I'm going to do what it takes. And the thing I love about the Amazon business model to tie it back to this do whatever it takes mindset is we're not talking about huge risks here. You've heard story after story on this podcast, past episodes at silentgym.com, interviewing people who started off with a hundred bucks, a couple hundred dollars, maybe less than $500. And that covered all of their inventory, their setup, their research, the courses, the content, the software, everything for a few hundred dollars. And they were all, and they were all in now. That's all they needed. And they just kept rolling that money over, rolling that money over. Like we say, you're getting paid to learn with the models that we teach here. There are some more advanced models that require money, but we don't let you start there if you're new. If you're new, we don't care how much money you have. If you've got a do what it takes attitude, a couple hundred dollars, you can start to build a viable business. And we've got the overwhelming abundant proof. Hey, quick break. I'm going to tell you about a great sponsor of our show. They're called High Five. You can get over to silentgym.com slash high five, spell it out, H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E, to learn about this free software that helps you get more reviews for your Amazon listings. More reviews means more momentum and more sales, better rank in the Amazon algorithm. This is worth doing, guys. And again, it's completely free. Silentgym.com slash high five. This is what we're going to be using on our bundle listings as we roll them out on Amazon. These are the cool kids on the block when it comes to getting more reviews on your account. And again, no policy violations because of the way they've set this up. It's a beautiful tool, beautiful concept, and a great new sponsor of this program. Thank you, High Five. Hey, look for the link in the show notes or visit them at silentgym.com slash high five, H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E. Let's get back to today's episode. If you've got a do what it takes attitude, a couple hundred dollars, you can start to build a viable business. And we've got the overwhelming abundant proof. We're at a paradigm shift time in commerce. The biggest paradigm shift, I would argue, that's ever happened in the history of commerce. And that's the shift towards online, which is still in its infancy. A lot of people think that 
e-commerce has taken over and it rules the world. No, in the United States, e-commerce is only about 16 to 18% of all retail activity. The rest of retail is still done traditionally. That e-commerce activity is a slow climbing monster, though. It's getting bigger and bigger. The future is very bright. Now's the time to get into e-commerce. So if you've got to do whatever it takes mindset, you're going to do very well. And I think this feeds very well into the next one. It's a, a willingness to outwork others. If you have a willingness to go just a little further than the rest of the people who are in this business model, you're going to do so well. And we've heard again on story after story of this podcast. We have over 600 episodes of our podcast at silentgym.com, hundreds of interviews. One of the themes is, yeah, I got off the beaten path just a little bit. I got off the beaten path with a relationship or with a source, or I found a new creative connection locally, or they just found that little spark of an edge of willingness to just outwork, be a little more creative. And when I say outwork, it's not like, yeah, I'm going to do 20 hours a day instead of just 12 hours a day like the other people. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about nose to the grindstone so much outworking others as it is creatively taking advantage of the opportunities that are abundantly available all around you. There's advantages you have based on where you live, the connections you have, the people, the region of the world you're in that give you an extreme advantage. It's the old concept of, you know, diamonds in your own backyard. A lot of times the most successful next idea you will have is someone near you, a manager of a store or a regional store that just doesn't appear in many other places in the world. You know, I'm reminded of the story of uh, Barrington in Jamaica, one of our students who's doing tremendous. He was a coaching student of ours. He lives on the island of Jamaica where they have nothing except really for as far as economic opportunity, working for one of the utility companies, working for the government, or working in the uh, tourist industry. And there's really not much there. But they do have coffee farms, coffee plantations, and they have some really good coffee. It's predominantly only available on the island. It gets shipped to some other places, but he just bought a few bags of it, sent it into Amazon, it exploded. Next thing you know, he's the coffee king of Jamaica. He's buying and selling more coffee from the island of Jamaica than anyone else is. And he's just, and all he did was take advantage of some local connections after we said, hey, you know, what's on the island there that people have a hard time getting anywhere else? Let's try to get some of that rolling on Amazon built a house, paid for in cash in Jamaica not too long ago. I stay in touch from time to time. We've heard so many great stories like that where just look local. It's not about finding that magic formula. It's about a willingness to outwork or be slightly more creative than others. So that was the third principle, willingness to outwork others. Next, a heartfelt spirit of gratitude. I can't talk enough about this. If I had to pick one off the list that gives you the best shot at having an abundant, successful business, career, life, marriage, health, everything, gratitude. If I had to pick one indicator and I only had one question I could ask you, it couldn't be a money-based question or a numbers question. It just had to be something that revealed to me who I'm dealing with. It would be a gratitude-based question. And I'd be able to predict where you will be five or 10 years from now. Do you consider yourself and do people around you consider you to be a person of gratitude? Do you say thank you often? Do you start your day thanking God? Do you go about your day thanking others and being grateful for how blessed you are? If yes, you have a bright future. <laughs> if no, you're not a very safe bet in my book. If you're always finding things to complain about and you feel like you have very little to be grateful for, well, you're not being creative enough. 
You're just not. And your future doesn't look very bright. I can't go much further without sharing the story. We're talking about gratitude of uh, my mentor, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Just got an email from him today, actually. I'm excited to get back to him on some stuff we might be doing together. But he says that if you're not sure if you're an optimist or a pessimist, guess what? Everyone else knows. You're a 50,000 megawatt beaming orb of negativity. You just don't realize it. Because to be an optimist requires a whole lot of effort and energy. You will know if you're an optimist because you're making mental, spiritual sacrifices internally, constantly reminding yourself, hey, it's time to be grateful. I'm feeling a little down. What can I be grateful for to pull me out of this? Because you can't just choose to be an optimist, but you can trigger it. You can't just turn on optimism and feel better. But you can choose gratitude. Gratitude triggers optimism. So the choice you make is, am I grateful or not? That's the choice you make. And then after that flows optimism. So to summarize the point I just made, if you find yourself kind of slipping into pessimism, you can't just flip a switch and be more optimistic. That's impossible. We're not set up to be able to do that. But you can flip a switch and be more grateful. And that gratitude will send you into optimism. So that's just one of the many benefits of gratitude. People like hanging out with you. One of the success principles of growing a great business is you got to have more and more people constantly knowing you, liking you, and trusting you. If you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong, and you're not going to last very long in any business, including e-commerce. But if there's more and more people knowing you, liking you, and trusting you, that's a good thing. How do you make that happen? One of the most effective ways is to be a person of gratitude. The author even talks about it in the book. He refers back to uh, President Bush, who gave him this tip, and he followed it. Both men have written multiple thank you letters every day in their entire career. Isn't that incredible? Multiple handwritten thank you notes. And they attribute that to their success. Gratitude equals success. Lack of gratitude, sometimes referred to as entitlement, equals failure. If you think the world owes you something, I don't owe anybody a thank you. The world owes me something because and you list out all the ways you've been harmed and wronged, if that's where your focus is every day, you're not going to go anywhere in life. The pattern plays out over and over. The author points it out in his book brilliantly. All right, next, a boldness to invest. I think that's a really good one. I'm not going to spend a lot of time kind of picking up pace to wrap this up, but if you're not willing to put a little blood, sweat, and tears, a little work, a little of your capital a little of that time and energy that you've spent in the past building up your, your nest egg, you know, some of the money that you have set aside. If you're not willing to invest that into yourself, into a business, into a coach or a mentor or a course, if you're not willing to take those little risks to try to better yourself, you're not going to do very well. The Bible is actually full of this example. I love the example of the parable of the talents. If you recall, the guy who just buried the money that he'd been given, the equivalent of about a million dollars, was a talent in that story, by the way. So as you're reading that story, the parable of the talents, just envision a million dollars buried in your backyard. You'd think, well, that's responsible. At least he's protecting his cash. No, he received a brutal punishment. Read the story for yourself. If you're not willing to invest and take risks and continue growing, you know, as a Christian, I see any resources I have as something I must steward. And stewardship as taught by Robert Morris in a great book called The Blessed Life and then the follow-up book, Beyond Blessed. Great books by Robert Morris. Check them out. But he talks about stewardship is just the concept of taking possession of 
resources and property that belongs to another temporarily, improving them while they're in your care, and then returning them to their rightful master at the end. That's the story of the parable of the talents. That's my mission in business and in life. I've been loaned. Even the relationships, those are on loan. Those are temporary things that I have to foster. I have to manage. I have to improve every area of faith, family, fitness, finances, faith, friendships. Those are all areas where I have to focus in and improve and steward. And it's not easy. It's probably easier just to kind of bury it and say, at least it's not going to be any worse when I come back. No, in all those areas, you can't just ignore your faith, your friendship, your fitness, your finances, right? You just can't, you can't ignore those areas and expect them to get better. It takes effort, energy, time. And so that's a good uh, boldness to invest. You've got to take some risks to build something significant. And immigrants were willing to take very calculated risks. A commitment to delayed gratification. We love instilling this in our children. Delayed gratification is one of the least talked about yet most valuable character traits anybody could ever possibly have. You hear us talk all the time about business is a slow and steady process. A slow and steady process wins the race. The tortoise and the hare, the children's book, perhaps some of the greatest business advice you'll ever hear. Dave Ramsey once asked a billionaire, he recounts the story, hey, what's a book I could have my whole team read that would benefit all of us? And the billionaire said, here's a whole box of books, give them to your whole team. It's the children's book, the tortoise and the hare. Slow and steady wins the race. Delayed gratification. If you want it to work now, and we we have people who buy our courses and content and then say, yeah, I tried it, and they want a refund, and they had it for less than 48 hours. <laughs> like, what in the world? They're bouncing from shiny object to shiny object. They're so easily distracted. Their head's full of a thousand ideas. They haven't committed to any of them, probably because they're not willing to go through that period of intense focused effort, which is required to build any successful business. You can't build any successful relationship, even your your fitness, your faith, your friendship, your finance, you hear all those? I've got those, those five Fs for my good friend, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, by the way. They all require a slow and steady, measured pace, effort and energy. And at the beginning of launching any new endeavor, there's a period of intense, focused effort. You've got to be committed to delayed gratification. One of the exercises we did with our kids to, to reinforce delayed gratification, to teach them the benefit of it, was we would say things like, hey, do you want a cookie right now? What kid doesn't want a cookie right now? Or do you want three cookies two hours from now? Right? Just give them the choice. Try it. Try it as an experiment. Most kids don't have the discipline to say, no, I, I think I'll wait. I think I'll wait. You can do it as they get a little older. You know, I'll say $5 now, or $20 two weeks from now, which do you want? Delayed gratification. Build it into your kids. Build it into your conscience. I know many adults who have never learned that. They live their life thinking, I want it. I want it now. I'm going to do what it takes. If I will feel better if I have it. So you know, the whole cash checking industry is built on that premise. We drove past one the other day. I was having a conversation with my kids about it. Like, no, I, need, I want my money right now. I want it right now so bad that I'm willing to give you a huge piece of it. When my paycheck finally does come Friday, I'm going to give you 20% of that check if you'll give me all my money today on a Wednesday, a couple of days ahead of time. 
zero delayed gratification skills involved in the people using those kinds of services. And you say, well, they're so desperate that they need the money now. Well, they've, they've built so many bad habits in to get themselves to that position in many cases. Not a judgment on people who truly do find themselves in a desperate situation, but these are the keys to getting out of those desperate situations. Delayed gratification is certainly one of them. Slow and steady approach to business. Story after story on this podcast. Again, you scroll back in time, the interviews, you'll hear people saying, yeah, the first few weeks were rough. First couple of months, I hit some snags. I still have a lot of difficulties and challenges, but I'm overcoming them. I'm always learning new things. I'm sticking with it. I'm taking a slow and steady approach. And those are the people that go on to build beautiful businesses. I love this list, a commitment to delayed gratification. Next, this is a good one, an appreciation of where we came from. Do you appreciate where you came from? Do you appreciate, for example, I've been thinking about this and talking about it with my family. We've had some weddings lately and and uh, you know some other big announcements, kids getting married and you know all the stuff that comes with the life changes uh, and you know the losses. And you just start thinking about family. You think of the generations. You go back, okay, so your parents, and then they each had parents. And those people going back and back and back and the sacrifices they made and the risks they took and the things they did, the delayed gratification they had to try to build a better life for their kids. There's something about that whole process of saying, you know what, I'm a parent now. Life isn't about me getting what I want anymore. It's about me realizing that I'll be gone someday and what am I going to leave in position? What legacy, not just financial, but what values I'm going to leave and instill so that the name that I carry means more 20 years after I'm gone, 50 years after I'm gone. What do I want to leave to leave that legacy of what it means to be a Cockrum or use your last name? What is it you're trying to build ultimately? None of us will be here 100 years from now. So you take that appreciation of where things are going and you turn around and you look at where things have been for your family, the sacrifices and appreciate. Maybe you had some real clowns and losers in your family lineup, you know, good family tree, but there was also some really great people that made it possible for you to be where you are. And in America, especially, you know, we were all from somewhere else at some point. It's true for any country, actually. We were all from somewhere else at some point, but who sacrificed? So an appreciation of where you came from can be a family heritage thing. It can also be, look at all the blood, sweat, work, and tears that the people who love me, the people that cared for me, or that I put into my own life, getting me to where I am now, being grateful for the journey and saying, okay, it's positioned to me now. I have a choice starting today. Am I going to aim for a higher, bigger, more important, more significant target? Or am I going to drift? Or worse yet, am I going to fall into some kind of lack of delayed gratification and I, hey, what I want, I'm going to do. If I want to eat it, I'm going to eat it. If I want to watch it, I'm going to watch it. If I feel like it, I'm going to, I'm just going to let my body kind of tell me what it wants and I'm going to do everything it takes to get it as fast as I can. That's also known as a formula for poverty, extreme poverty, destruction. Not that everybody who's in poverty made those choices to get there, but if you make choices to serve your bodily functions as your primary source of motivation every day, you will certainly find yourself in a poverty situation. No question. Every single time. If you lead by, there's actually in the Hebrew, there's a word for putting the things that your body wants ahead of what your spirit knows you should be pursuing. It's the word, it's the root word of calamity. Isn't that pretty cool? Calamity comes from letting your bodily urges rule 
the direction of your life. So you hear tragic stories. Sometimes tragedy comes out of circumstances that are out of your control, but quite often it comes from putting your bodily urges and those things you see and want now ahead of knowing what you should be doing, delayed gratification, slow and steady pursuit of those big goals, always be open to learning, building on all those relationships. And that's the only thing I felt like he left off his list that I would have added to the list just to wrap this up is a constant pursuit of the right relationships. That's the distinguishing factor that we've seen over and over again in our community, the people who make it, people who don't. They're pursuing with intentionality the relationships of others who are in a similar business, building relationships with their customers, with their suppliers. That's a lot of what gratitude is, is reaching out to those people that deserve a little bit of thanks and gratitude, even if they don't deserve it. Say thank you anyway, make make them feel better, make them feel like they've poured into your life. There's a benefit there. And to making people feel like they've poured into your life, even if maybe what they did was marginal, a huge gratitude is going to make them far more likely to continue pouring into your life. Relationships is a good way to end this. Well, this is just some observations I've made after years of coaching and teaching. We've got 60 coaches on our team right now, approximately. We've coached nearly 10,000 people in e-commerce and Amazon, which is just a mind-blowing number to me. But we've seen so many great stories over the years, and recently we've begun capturing them and putting them on our podcast. We have hundreds of those great stories. I would encourage you, check out this community, hang out with people who have an abundance, optimistic attitude as fueled by gratitude. Remember that. Those are the kind of people you want to be hanging out with. Because as Jim Rohn once said, if you show me the people you hang out with the most and the content you're consuming, I'll show you where you're going to be five years from now. I completely agree. That's a paraphrased version of what he said, but that's how I say it. So make some intentional decisions. Who am I going to hang out with? What content am I going to consume? Am I going to do what it takes to build a beautiful business in the model that we're most excited about in our community among dozens of things that we teach? We've got all kinds of advanced strategies and incredible high-end name brand household goods that we've launched from this community that we've seen just exceed every expectation. But if you're kind of new, you're kind of nervous, you're wanting to dip your toe into the shallow end of the pool and check it out, we'd love to start you with a proven Amazon course, get into our replens training, lay the foundation of a beautiful business upon which many other things can be built in the future. We do it all day, every day around here. That's what our podcast is all about. Listen to some other episodes. If this is the first one you've checked out, you'll hear interviews, which maybe you'll find far more interesting than me just kind of monologuing like this. I don't do it as often as I used to now. Typically, our episodes are interviews with successful students. You can hear hundreds of those or get into our free Facebook group. Again, there's links to all this stuff at silentgym.com, our course, our Facebook group, past podcast episodes, and our coaching program. One last little thing about our coaching program before I let you go. I mentioned we have 60 coaches, 10,000 students coached over 20 years. Every coach on our team has a couple things in common. One, they've built a beautiful business using the models we teach here. They've proven that they know how to do it and they've done it and they're doing it actively. That's step one. If they can't say all those are true, they don't get a chance to coach with us. So they're running a successful business. And two, they have a teacher's heart, which means they love pouring into others, sharing what they know. They can't help but teach others out of an abundance mindset, meaning they all see success as something that as many people can have as much of as they'd like to have. They don't have a scarcity mindset about success. They see 
building a successful business is something that anybody with the right level of commitment to the process can enjoy and jump in and make happen. So those two things are something that all of our coaches have in common. And if you want to hang out with someone like that, it would be a tremendous investment. You can find a link to our coaching program as well at silentgym.com. My name is Jim Cockrum. Thanks for hanging out with me for this episode of Silent Sales Machine Radio. We'll have another great episode again for you very soon. God bless you, business building warrior. Stay in the fight. One last shout out to our great sponsor today, High Five. This is a free tool, guys. Go check them out. Silentgym.com slash high five, H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E. Spell it out. These are the guys that can get you more reviews on your listings on Amazon, which leads to more momentum, more sales, more revenue, and it costs you nothing. Go check this great offer at silentgym.com slash high five. There's a link in the show notes as well. Hey, we'll have another great episode for you very soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.